0: if there's one place you don't want to live differently and if there's one time in your life when it's hard to do so it's a teenage it's being a teenager and so we as adults have to really pray for and be sympathetic to our to our children and to the teenagers who are making a stand as much as they can for what they believe in a very very difficult environment in our country right it's hard to be a christian in high school or even in university as well very difficult in university as well And it's at a time in their life when they most need their friends, and their faith can easily cut them off from those friends that they need. And so it's very difficult when they most need to be accepted. Their faith is the most obvious social result of that faith is rejection when they need to be rejected. And so we just have to engage with our students, engage with our kids, and encourage and support them. Because, you know, just don't let your kids drown at school as far as their faith is concerned, because it is weird to be a Christian in high school so i just put that out there it's difficult to be different in high school but the pressure doesn't end at high school or university i mean our social circles change but the pressures are still there as we go through life right as we grow into adulthood and we take our positions in work and work in society it's still hard to be weird it's still lonely and difficult to be different it's it's still hard to be isolated right we're still the target of of snide comments or insults or even rejection you know, and I, and even in our own families, and, and I don't want to pass quickly over here this idea or, or the hardship of loneliness and isolation. Loneliness and isolation is hard, right? It's very hard to be lonely and isolated. And those sufferings can't be brushed off with sort of a simple, well, God is with you and, you know, God's always with you and that should be enough. And that's not enough because loneliness and isolation is a trial. It is a suffering. It is a persecution. And there's more to loneliness and isolation than just God is with you. And Peter says they malign you. As Christians, you're target of maligning, you know, which is not so bad, except except more damaging, they leave you alone and they avoid you and they and you find yourself alone without support. And so so what am I getting at here? What's Peter's answer to this then? In this text then, Peter says this is who you are, you're weird and, and, and you don't do those old things anymore, which is great, but you're getting isolated and you're getting insulted because of it. Then, then what's the answer, Peter? What, what, What's Peter's answer to living in the will of God when we're clearly called out of the world to be a special people, a distinct people, a strange people? What's Peter's encouragement to us? And so as we're looking at this text, let me just explain the structure of the little text, uh, the, the structure of the text a little bit, which is basically he sets the theme, which is arm yourselves with the same purpose, is what he says in verse 1 there. And then he goes into this sort of parenthetical idea of the world and the flesh and dissipation and, and, and how the will of God sets the stage for contrasting the life and the flesh. And then he picks up again in verse 7, he picks up the transition into the life that God wants for us and the will of God. So he says, arm yourself and live in the will of God. And those are the two calls to action that, p- that, that Peter makes. And those are the two calls to action that we're going to look at is arming ourselves and living in the will of God. And I want to break it down in three ways. Peter says that we arm ourselves and we live in the way, will of God this way. We leave the past, we hope in the future, and we serve in the present. And so there's three time references if you read this and then reread it. And if you're marking in your Bible the way you're supposed to be in your homework, you might put a little, I put a little blue clock whenever there's a time reference. Okay? And so you're going to notice there's three time references that Peter makes here. And it's that we're to leave the past, hope in the future, and serve in the present. To arm ourselves and live in the will of God. So what is the first one? Leaving the past. He says, So as to live for the rest of the time, there's a time reference, in the flesh no longer, so no more. Leave that in the past. For human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past, there's the time reference, suffices for doing what the gentiles want to do living in sensuality passions drunkenness orgies drinking parties and lawless idolatry and all of that stuff so so this arming ourselves and living in the will of god peter first says leave the past behind leave your past it's where the it's 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 where the rubber meets the road for us as christians right we can say we believe in god we can say we grew up in a christian home we can say god's awesome and we love jesus christ but then people are watching and they're saying yeah okay show me and this is where the rubber meets the road. It's what really sets us apart. It's what makes us weird. It's because we leave our past activities and we start behaving differently. And we leave our old life behind and, and we we don't get involved in that stuff anymore. And Peter says leaving the past is this first part of arming yourselves as you leave those activities behind and you start preparing yourself for living for God. He says you've had enough time. He might have said you've had more than enough time living that way. You've You've had your time of going to parties and you've had your time of, you know, going from girl to girl or guy to guy or, you know, you've had your time of, of serving yourself, taking your paycheck and blowing it on whatever you want for yourself. You know, you've had your time of self-satisfaction and, and serving your own wants. Peter said you've had more, of an, more than enough time doing that. That time now is in the past. You've, you've, you've done the things of the Gentiles, which is just sort of a, 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 the, the first century sort of way of saying the world. You know, you've done the things of the world in the past. You've do, had more than enough time for that. You know, idolizing sex or serving your own selfishness or chasing after the next party or chasing after the next thing or wasting your attention on on meaningless things. Peter says, that's past. That's done. Leave the past. You know, verse 4 calls it debauchery, or, or I like the old English, dissipation, a life of dissipation. Doesn't that sound like you're watching a Jane Austen movie or something? Dissipation. There's a definition of dissipation. It's a descent into drunkenness, it's debauchery, it's decadence, it's dissoluteness, it's dissolution, it's intemperance, it's excess, overconsumption, self-indulgence or wildness. It's just wastefulness, it's frittering away our lives, It's, it's letting our lives dissolve into meaninglessness. Even if what we do, and even if what you were doing in the past or are doing now doesn't seem explicitly wicked. You look at that list and you say, oh, I didn't do that stuff, you know, I didn't go to those kinds of parties and I didn't get drunk, you know, I... But even if what you were doing wasn't explicitly wicked, it was dissipation. It was just wastefulness. It was just time getting wasted. You were just spending it on yourself or on your friends or just letting the days go by in idle entertainment. And it was just wasteful. And Peter says, leave that wasteful life behind, even if it wasn't wicked per se. And dare to be different. Dare to live from the present forward for the will of God. Dare to live a way that's different than the world, that is purposeful in serving the kingdom and the gospel and in loving people and in bringing them to a knowledge of salvation. God doesn't... And and, and, and dare to live even if it means being counted as strange, even if you might be rebuked and maligned for it. But God doesn't leave you without hope. And here Peter turns to his earlier theme of future hope. You remember we talked about that, especially in chapter 1, about our future hope about how we have this inheritance that's kept for us in heaven, imperishable, and how the power of God will guard us through our lives so that we will certainly inherit that inheritance that is being kept for us. And so Peter in chapter 1 painted this picture of a future hope of this glorious inheritance. And here he brings it down into application. And he says there's another future hope here for us too, because there's another time reference here. He says not just leave the past, but also as Christians, hope in the future. He says in verse 4, "...with respect to this, they are surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of dissipation, and they malign you." But, another time reference, "...but they will give an account in the future to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does." And so Peter points to the future, and he says, "...even as you leave your old life behind... Peter says he knows this isn't just about beliefs and feelings in your heart. Peter knows it's about the real hard life of real hard relationships and real, even real jobs lost or whatever on behalf of God. And he says even as you leave your old life behind and as you start reaping the consequences of being weird and being strange and being a peculiar people, he says hold on, you have hopes in the future. And there's three hopes that I'll give you that are in this text here. First of all, he says, these people who are abusing you, who are maligning you, they will have to give an account for your actions. And so if you are under this abuse or this isolation or this loneliness or this rebuke from your friends and family because of your strange life, he says, hold on, first of all, in one count, don't worry. They're going to have to answer for God for their behavior. There is a judgment coming and they are going to have to answer to the one who judges the living and the dead. And so first of all, justice will prevail. There will be justice even though it feels like there is no justice in this life. And so if you're living out your life right now and you're feeling like there's no justice, I'm not getting any justice from my family or I'm not getting any justice at work you know, because I'm getting overlooked all the time because I'm a Christian so I'm not going to get that pay raise or I'm not going to get that promotion or it seems like there's no justice because all my friends have left me and they won't talk to me anymore. God says there will be justice in the future. God's people will be vindicated and whatever justice should be done, this is the important thing, the justice that should be done will be done perfectly by God who can judge perfectly. And so it's not about our justice and what we think should be done, it's what God will do perfectly in terms of justice, the perfect judge. But secondly, he says don't worry about your fleshly life You know, don't worry about the fact that you're being maligned and persecuted and and lonely. And when I say don't worry about it, I mean I don't count it as nothing. But he is saying don't look specifically to that because really your hope is in the future. The gospel was preached so that those who are now dead, and Peter was talking about real persecution here, your, your Christian friends who are now dead that you knew in the past and have either been killed by Nero or persecuted or have just passed away, those who are dead are only dead in the flesh, but they're made alive in the spirit, right? It's true that the gospel saved them, that that as you are maligned and as you are persecuted and you are wondering what is the purpose or what is the reward of this, Peter says, look to the future. Let me just read it again so you're following along the the verse that I'm in there. He says, first of all, that they're going to give an account to him who is ready to judge, but then he says, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, that though judged in the flesh, in other words, they died, their flesh had to die, perish, the way people do, they might live in the Spirit, the way God does. And so Peter is saying, your hope is in the future. Your hope is that, yes, this flesh is going to die, this loneliness is going to end, this persecution is going to end, this this isolation is going to end, this maligning and rebuking and and mockery is going to end, and this flesh is going to pass away, but the gospel is going to make you alive in the Spirit, and you have that gospel. That's your hope in the future. So don't, as be as concerned about your fleshly life because the gospel is preached and then thirdly and it's not explicit but it's implied here the third hope that we have in the future is that these spiritually dead people who are abusing you now they may yet even though they are dead spiritually they may hear the gospel and live in the spirit and that's why we preach the gospel and that's why you remember Peter says That you are, as Christians, to act humbly and to behave righteously and to speak rightly. And as you act and speak and live rightly, other people may come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and they may be made alive in the Spirit too in the future. And so Peter says, as you behave well and do what is right, people could come to know Christ. And they might see us by leaving our old lifestyle and by embracing a new life and new behaviors that there's something real and beautiful in what we believe. And so there's this future hope even for those that malign us, that those that are spiritually dead might still be made alive in Christ. And so Peter says if you're going to arm yourself for suffering, if you're going to equip yourself to live for the will of God, there's two things so far he's told us. You have to leave your past because you've had more than enough time living that way. You don't need any more of that. You've had enough time living that way, so leave that past. And you have to place your hope in the future, in the future justice of God that these people who are maligning you, these people that are isolating you, these people that are abusing you, that justice will ultimately be done. So you're putting your hope in future justice and you're putting your hope in future mercy of God. Future justice and future mercy. Future mercy is awesome, that's a That's another whole new sermon, future mercy. We could just talk about living in in future mercy, but we'll stay on track here. The the real practical day-to-day reality of how we arm and equip ourselves for suffering and how we equip ourselves and arm ourselves for living for the will of God, even though we're in this world and we are different, Peter gives us one more really practical thing in terms of how we are to get through this life being weird how we're to get through this life being different, how we're to get through this life even though we are isolated and lonely and maligned and rebuked and mocked because we've left that old life behind. And that's the rest of the paragraph. He says, serve in the present. He says, the end of all things is at hand. It's right now. This is the the end times. And so this is another time reference. He brings us to the present. And he says, therefore... Right now at hand, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. And so Peter doesn't have his head in the sand, and he doesn't have his head in the clouds. Peter's not pretending that to follow Christ is just some philosophy or opinion that someone might have. It's not just voting liberal or conservative. It's not just having an opinion on the environment. Right, this letter that Peter writes is about the reality of living today. It's about a real emperor who is really burning people alive and really feeding people to the circus, uh, to the lions in Nero's circus. You know, it's about real people who are losing their jobs because they're Christians and they're losing their families because they're Christians and they're considered weird and they're isolated and they're lonely and they're suffering. And Peter knows that if that is the case then there has to be a real and present answer to our persecution now. Not just leaving the past, not just hoping in the future, but there has to be an answer to that persecution now. And so he says here, the answer to arming ourselves or equipping ourselves to be weird and to still live in the will of God even though you're different, the way we arm ourselves as Christians to guard against its sufferings is that we're to serve each other in our present circumstances. And so he spends a paragraph here saying, now this is what you do, you weird people. You love each other. You serve each other. Right? This is what the church is. This is what Christian community is. Listen to the list of activities that he lays out here. You remember how I was showing the marking a couple of weeks ago. I was showing how I was circling behaviors in an orange circle. Right? And if you were in the first half of this chapter here, the first half of these texts, There'd only be two, arm yourselves and live for the will of God. But then you come along and you get here and all of a sudden there's orange circles everywhere because listen to the list. He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded and keep loving one another earnestly and then show hospitality to one another without grumbling and then as you've received a gift use it to serve one another and then whoever speaks speak as to the oracles of God and then whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies all of a sudden he comes out with seven things that he tells us we're supposed to do and that just jumps off the page at you Peter's giving us another list here are the things you're supposed to do right now in the present Christians you strange people That are living differently, that are being maligned, that are being isolated, that are being laughed at because you've left your old life behind. Here's the present life that you have. Here's how you arm yourself and equip yourself to live for the will of God. You do this for each other. He reinforces our own self-control and sobriety. That's the first thing. He says, stay sober and stay sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. It's hard to pray when you're drunk. It's hard to pray when you're distracted. It's hard to pray when you're flighty or or caught up in whatever's happening at Hollywood these days. So he says, stay sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And then he launches into this list of gifts that God has given us for the present. And there's several gifts of the Holy Spirit that God's given us, and and there's different lists of them in the text. You could go to Corinthians or Romans for for the lists of spiritual gifts. But the ones that Peter decides are important for us in this text, the ones that he highlights right here as it relates to living as people under persecution that are different, He focuses on these. He says, love, hospitality, speaking the truth, and serving one another, which can cover a lot. But it's those four. Love, hospitality, speaking the truth about God, and serving one another. That is an awesome list. And I take Peter to be saying, hey, you people. Whether you're students or whether you're adults, you people who are different, you people who are being pointed out as being different, you people who are living your life differently and suffering because you're living your life differently, you who are shunned, you who are kicked out of your old circle of friends, you who are not welcomed by your family anymore, that aren't getting invited to the office parties anymore, all you uncool nerds out there just like me. This is what Peter is saying to all these uncool nerds, right? He's saying... Here's how you live for the will of God and here's how you equip each other against the persecution of the present day. You love one another earnestly so that you can cover over each other's sins and habits and the friction that might happen as you live in close proximity with your new group of friends. You have this ectenos love that we talked about a few weeks ago. You remember ectenos, That stretching love. That love that stretches to cover over things that normal love wouldn't cover over. Ectenos agapeo, a stretching love. He says you love one another fervently. Stretching love. Earnest love. Fervent love. And then he says this is amazing. This is cool. This is his instruction to us. He says cook some food and have a party. Show hospitality to one another. You know, you strange people. Just have one another over for dinner. Make a big meal. Bake a chocolate cake. You know, have a party. Show hospitality. Welcome one another. You're not invited to the office party? Who cares? Because there's parties going on in the church all the time. Somebody's cooking a roast beef right now, I can guarantee you, right? And, and they want to have you over to eat it with them. And so Peter says, you want to equip yourself, you want to be armed against the persecution, show hospitality to each other. What an awesome instruction, right? You know, God's will, you want to know what God's will for your life is in the church? God's will for your life is that you invite people over for dinner and eat food and that you go over to other people's houses and eat their food. That's God's will for you as a Christian. That's what Peter's saying that we are to do today, is be hospitable, right? You're kicked out of your old social circles, that's fine. you got a new social circle. you got a whole bunch. you got hundreds of new friends now. You don't have your old circle, but you got a new circle. God's will is that you have a new social circle and new friends that invite each other over to eat dinner. I love, I love his plan. You know, you need a couch to crash on because the family couldn't deal with you because you're a Jesus freak and they kicked you out of the house. I've got a couch you can sleep on. right? You need a place to stay for a few days. I've got a place you can stay for a few days. It's just love each other. You know, God doesn't want you to be alone. He wants you loved and he wants you in friendships. And this is living out the will of God, right? Tough assignment. Love each other and be loved in return. Eat each other's food. That's God's instructions to us, right? Wow, sign me up. God's got such a hard life for us. And then he says, then he says, He goes on from just loving each other and making food for each other. Then he says, speak the oracles of God to each other. Right, It's hard to live as a Christian in the world, and Peter knows, but he says you have God's Word, so speak it. Speak it to each other. You want to equip yourselves? You want to be armed for doing the will of God and armed to live in the world? He says speak it. Speak it like it is the very oracles or the very mysteries is what that word means, like it's the very mysteries of God. And that's what I hope I'm doing. I hope more than anything that I do that for you, that when I speak the Word of God, that I hope that, that you get across or it comes across to know the deep, deep mystery of the love of God as we study His Word every Sunday, right? This is not a social exercise. This is not an obligation that, you, you know, we all have to come here and sit here and, and check it off of our list for God, right? We come here to hear the Word of God, and as we study His love, Peter says the, the speaking of the Word of God is the arming of ourselves as God's different people to live according to His will in the midst of hardship. And so you're arming yourself right now as we are speaking the mysteries of God to each other. God brought you here today for this purpose. But it's not only the speaking of God's truth on a Sunday morning, but Peter here I think is 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 talking about, you know, those who speak when you're speaking to each other, speak as if you're speaking the very oracles of or the very mysteries of the very wisdom of God. So that's that's everybody in our families. Fathers and mothers, when you are speaking, you speak to your children as if you're speaking the very oracles of God, the very mysteries of God. Speak them to your children to equip them so that as they go off to junior high and they go off to high school, they are equipped with the word of God to live differently, right? And in our friendship, speaking the truth of God and the wisdom of God into each other's lives, right? As you meet for coffee and as you're at those parties and eating each other's food, when you're speaking, speak as if it's the very mystery of God the very wisdom of God to each other so that we are equipping each other by speaking the word of God to each other. God built the church. It's his idea to put us together as Christians so that we can speak the word into each other's lives to equip us to handle the world out there. And then finally, he gives the last one in the list there, he says, finally, serving each other by God's strength. He says, you're different people. You're a strange people in a hostile world and they're maligning you and they're abandoning you and they're isolating you because you don't do the things that they used to do anymore. And so God says, finally, then serve one another because if we don't serve ourselves, we don't have anyone else to serve us, right? So God says, serve with the strength that God has in all of you. So this is it. This is church, right? These four things is what church is. This is what we do as a church. This is what it means to be the church. To love one another with that stretching love, to speak the word of God to each other, to welcome each other into each other's homes, to serve one another. What's Peter describing? He's describing Lakeside, right? He, he's, he's describing the church. He's describing what we're meant to do in the present in order that we can live for the will of God and in order that we can actually truly live different lives different than the world and put up with the persecution and put up with the suffering and put up with the loneliness and put up with the isolation and put up with the mockery because we have a a church that equips us in the present and loves us and cares for us in the present to do that. And we do all of that. God says that as you love each other and as you eat each other's food and as you encourage yourselves from the word and as you serve each other's needs, God's worked it out all so clever because all of this stuff is about us. But look at the very last thing he says. He says... If you just do all of that to take care of yourselves, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So take care of yourselves really, really well so that I get the glory. Wow, did God ever work that out smart, right, for us. Like like you guys love each other. You guys feed each other. You guys serve each other. You guys teach each other. And all get glory. Awesome. That's awesome. Because the world will see us in our community. He, they will see our love and our care and our great food and our potlucks. And God will get glory because they'll see how we live as Christians. But God's worked it out all for us for his glory. It's amazing. So can we do this as a church? Can we, can we love each other, show hospitality to each other, gather to hear God's word together, serve each other? Will that help us? Does this help us dare to be weird to the rest of the world? Will that help us to live rightly even if we get laughed at at the office or even if we don't get the approval of the cool kids out there? You know, God tells us to leave the old world behind, but He doesn't leave us with nothing. He gives us a whole new family. And he gives us a whole new calling in our life that serves and glorifies us. So as much as we are being rejected by the world or as much as we are feeling rebuked and maligned by the world or isolated or lonely because of the world, as much as you are feeling that is how much more you should be pouring into the community of God's people and pouring into the church. Because as much as you are rejected out there, you're welcomed here. As much as you are maligned out there, you're praised here. As much as you are rebuked out there, you're encouraged here. So, so build into the church, be throwing more parties, be going out to more people's houses for dinner, be loving each other more, be serving more, be speaking the word of God and hearing the word of God more, because that is Peter's answer to being weird. That's Peter's answer to being different in the world. He says, yeah, you are going to be rejected by the world. So pour into each other in the present. And we can do this. What about you? Can we do this? Can you do this? Can you love a little bit more? Can you cover over someone else's sin, like even this week, just a little bit? Is there somebody who's, who's maligned you, maybe even in the body of Christ? Is there somebody's sin that you can stretch your love over and just let it cover it and let it go, right? Just a little more ectinose love to cover it up. Is there somebody you can have over for dinner, right? Can you open up your house and have some friends over for dinner or for ice fishing or for puzzle making or just to go out for a walk or to go out for a coffee? Can you share your life in a way to show hospitality to some people in the body of Christ here who are looking for friends, who are looking for compassion, who are looking for connections? Can we do that as a church? I'm not asking it rhetorically. I'm asking it like, can we do it as a church? Yes. Right? Can you do that as a Christian? Can you show some hospitality this week? I mean, in this tiny church, I know there are people who have been here for 20 years probably and have never been to some of your homes. Now, I don't usually preach from guilt, but I don't care if you feel guilty about that. Right? And I'm just as bad. I've been here a year and a half, and I haven't had some of you over to my house. Right? But I know that there's people here that you've never visited. And Peter said, it's an instruction. God said by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter, eat dinner together. It's a command, so you gotta do it, okay? Don't take it lightly. Just, and it's easy. Be more hospitable. Like, like if God could give you, you're praying. Maybe you're saying, God, what can I do for you? How can I live for the will of God? Give me something to do, but don't give me anything hard because you know I don't know if I can do it. So don't send me to Africa, and you know don't tell me I got to lay down my life for this or that, or you know please don't do anything difficult, or don't even don't even make me tell my friends at at, at work about you. I, I'm afraid of being an evangelist. So God, I want something to do. I want to live for the will of God, but give me something easy. And then God says through His servant pastor paul he says i got something for you to do have somebody over for dinner is that easy enough (laughs) yeah we can do that right right so god says there's something easy for you to do just just have somebody over for dinner be more hospitable and then can you commit to coming to sit under the oracles of god to hear the mysteries of god can you speak the wisdom of god to each other don't just talk about hockey and movies and stuff like that that's fine but when you speak speak as if you're speaking of the very wisdom and mystery of God right and then serve you know if you're not in a small group yet the easiest thing you can do to serve is get in a small group get in a small group and be involved in other people's lives and you will find ways to serve them and then if you're already in a small group then f- try out a ministry here at the church and there's lots of places you can help but but again God has said here through his servant Peter And is saying to you today that if you want to arm yourselves, you want to equip yourself for living differently in this world, then serve each other. Get in a small group. Get in a ministry. There's lots to do. You can help. Anyway, this is really practical. Peter wants us to know that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be different. You can leave your past behind, and you can hope in the future, and in the present, you're not left alone. God's will for our lives is that we love each other, we be hospitable, We speak the words of God to each other and we serve one another. And by those four things, if we do that as a church, we will be armed and equipped for the suffering that is taking place. And if we do that, we will be living for the will of God. That is God's will for our life. That we just love each other, serve each other, and live in his word. And by those things, he will be glorified because that's his will for us. Let's do that, church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your instructions are easy. It blew me away when I just kept reading over and over and over this, that your instructions to your church are not hard. Just love each other. Just cook food for each other. Just share your lives together. Just share my word with each other. Just serve each other. And if you just do all of that, church, I will get glory. Wow. I love your plan, God. Help us to see it that simple and not make it any more complex. That as much as we are maligned by the world, as much as we are cut off from old circles and old friends and even family, you've given us a new family and new circles and new people to love us and new people to love. And so, Lord, you've not left us alone. You've taught us by your Apostle Peter and through your word. Father, help us to take it to heart as we have prayed and to live it out Leave our old way of living behind and embrace this new way of living that Peter has described to us. Because it is good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.